Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and on Friday morning, it is 12 o'clock. I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. We've just seen Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Yes, what you, we have. What are your immediate impressions? It was pretty good. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than The Last Jedi. Um, I know coming out of the theater for The Last Jedi, I was like, what the hell did I just watch? I need time to like think about this. Mm-hmm. And then the internet tried to convince me it had some deeper hidden meaning. It didn't. And then I went back and watched it like three more times, and it makes no sense in this trilogy like you were going to talk about or you want to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what we need to do is just kind of kick off this episode by saying that this first half of the show is going to be spoiler-free. Ryan and I are just going to go high-level, kind of what we liked, what we didn't like, Um Again, not really getting into the intricacies of the story and plot points of this movie because I implore everyone to go and see this movie. I don't think you want this movie spoiled for you if you haven't already. Uh, There's a lot of really good stuff in here, very emotionally powerful and moving, and there's just some things that if you haven't seen spoilers, you wouldn't have seen these things coming. I think they that even having seen spoilers myself, I was even taken a surprise just how things played out. Yeah. Just the way it was acted out you know and just the spectacle of everything it's really impressive i i loved this movie i really really did um i also loved the last jedi when i first walked out of it and so um i don't feel that way anymore about this movie god yes thank you yeah i want to make that abundantly clear are you there god yeah he's finally learning but yes so ryan and i will have timestamps in the show notes of this episode to call out when we are actually getting into spoiler territory. What we will do is when Ryan and I give our score, we will give a rating for this film at some point here in the next probably 10 to 15 minutes. Once we do that point, I will make a clear cut like, hey, we're getting into spoiler territory. And we will like a countdown to five and then we'll go, excuse me, this tea. Yeah. We'll get into it. We will get into it. But Ryan, I totally agree. I, I really enjoyed this movie. I didn't enjoy The Last Jedi, um, two years removed. I think I've watched it about six to seven times now. Okay. And Director's cut as well with JJ or uh, Ryan talking about why I did things? I, I did watch the director commentary. Okay. Yes. And why I think The Last Jedi doesn't work in this trilogy, first of all, I think The Force Awakens is brilliant. And what JJ had to do going into that film was a daunting task because... Prior to that, we had uh, let, let's just remove the prequels from the conversation because we were coming off of the Return of the Jedi in yeah. The Force Awakens, right? And what he had to do is introduce this new cast of characters for audiences to find captivating and intriguing and interesting, while we also had the characters that we loved in the background in Leia, Luke, and Han. Mm-hmm. And I felt coming away from The Force Awakens, yes, you can say it was a rinse, repeat, copy, paste of A New Hope. In many respects, I agree, but I think they kind of had to somewhat play it safe for us again to kind of get our foot in the doors of like, okay, I'm listening. What do you have moving forward for us? Yeah. And And I I guess my main gripe is not that it's like a new hope. And my my main gripe of like a Force Awakens is really nitpicky. It's the type of map that they used. It was like a cookie cutter map. Like, 
hey, the thing that BB-8 has is like a cookie cutter of this other bigger map. Mm. Like I would have loved from like the um, what is it? Not Desert Treasure. What's the one with the uh, dude? Um, Treasure Planet. The- no, I did have some vibes of Treasure Planet in this movie when they're <laughs> surfing around. Okay, but it's um, National Treasure where they use uh, the bifocals and there's different colors. Sure. To read the map on the back of the Independence or the Declaration of Independence. I would have loved if they had three different maps and they had to lay them like on top of each other. And that was the map instead of like a cookie cutter of Luke. I agree. I but agree. That's kind of my main gripe. Like it's a lot of callbacks and I liked it. Yeah, but I mean I think what what Force Wiggins did so well is that you had characters like Ray who was on this planet Jakku, she was a scavenger, you had no idea what her parentage was, where she was from, what her story was, but she was this incredibly powerful force user. And so you're not really buying it. You're like, how is this character going to rip into Kylo Ren, who's been training for, we presume, the past 10 years, and Rey's never picked up a lightsaber? Mm-hmm. So we don't really believe that, that like, that's a very believable act. But we're still intrigued. Like, okay, I'm, I'm interested how this is going to move on in the, the subsequent movie. Yeah. Then you have someone like Finn, who was a stormtrooper, but he, he, he breaks away from that and wants to make a new life for himself. We feel like there's got to be something a little bit deeper there. Like, what are his motivations for leaving that? And then you have someone like Poe, who reminds everyone, you know, of like a Han Solo smuggler type guy who's amazing in an X-Wing, an amazing pilot, just a sly dude that, again, we're interested, we're invested in. And then you have a villain like Kylo Ren, who is clearly struggling to, to really identify with the dark side. He's crippled by fear, yeah. and he doesn't want to truly give in to what Snoke or whoever is, is calling to him. And so, again, you have these three core protagonists and one antagonist that, again, there are so many unanswered questions that we walk away from that movie wanting to know more. Yeah. And I you got a big hologram guy. I mean, Snoke is in the first in Force Awakens, which I forgot about. Yeah, and so Snoke too. You want to know what what his role is in all of this, and is he the puppet master for for Kylo that he's tugging on you know his heart and trying to pull him to the dark side for some grander purpose? We don't know, but we yeah. go into the Last Jedi with that excitement, that anticipation that these questions are going to be answered, these relationships are going to be built upon as they were in the original trilogy and Luke, Leia, and Han. It, it was these core group of characters that were on this grander journey and adventure that we were all just invested in and we wanted to know more and the relationships continued to, to grow from movie to movie. And The Last Jedi, I felt like, did not in any way meaningfully build upon what J.J. established in The Force Awakens. Yeah. I just don't feel like... The Last Jedi is a, the Last Jedi is a good movie. It's not a good Star Wars movie. I feel like that's still debatable, but we've gone over The Last Jedi and, like... We have. I I don't think it's a good movie, and it's definitely not a good Star Wars movie. My gripes are, like, the plot derails itself. Like, you... Yeah. I I think it still just derails itself, but, like, like you were saying, the progression of characters doesn't really happen. We don't really learn too much about any of the characters. Yeah. Really at all. I think Finn, like, his entire progression is he learns that there's bad people on both sides of the war. Like, people are profiting off the war on a horse planet. And then uh, Poe has the most growth with him learning to, like... Get off his high horse. Yeah, be humbled a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then Ray, 
What even happens to Ray? She goes and like she's with Luke. She's she's on oh, Octu yeah. and she's trying to learn the ways of the Jedi. And, and I don't want this is not a Last Jedi review. I want to bring this back. Yeah, my pur- so now going into the new one. Yeah, my purpose in in saying all this is that I left the Force Awakens emotionally invested in these characters, wanting to know how their arcs continued and concluded in the subsequent two films. Yeah, the Last Jedi for me did not meaningfully build upon what was established in that movie, and I felt like the Rise of Skywalker. While it's largely rushed in its plot points and trying to make us and shoving it in our face as far as, like, you need to care about these characters, I feel like it's done tastefully, purposefully, and overall, I felt like by the end of it, it's beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, the beginning portion is trying to make up for the lack of plot progressing the characters and just the entire character, like, the journey of the good side versus the bad side mm-hmm. that the last Jedi did not do. Yeah. It was pretty much a slow chase from one planet to the next and then we had a fight at the end on a like a dust planet. So like this is like hey, let's jump around the universe trying to do stuff that would have happened in the last Jedi if JJ Abrams would have directed that movie. Yeah, no, I think I think so. And it feels like that and th- I think that would be my biggest gripe with this but yeah the back half you're like yeah cool mm-hmm. and they definitely give you some nostalgic moments mm-hmm. throughout the movie and it's not I, I didn't read too many reviews I know Ryan was saying like it's or it's trying to be everything for everyone and so it's nothing for no one mm-hmm. and I'm like I didn't really get that vibe like I, I know either. there was like a ton <clears throat> of different callbacks which is cool but it's not like Let's jam it down your throat kind of callbacks. Like, hey, look at me. Because like the way The Last Jedi did callbacks, it was like, let's throw them in your face. Mm-hmm. Like, we saw the dice like six times. Mm-hmm. And like the dice was like just a small thing in the original. Yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. I, I mean, they had the tabletop chess thing. Mm-hmm. And it, they didn't linger too much on it. It wasn't... It was just a plot progression, a little bit. But yeah, like, no, I agree. I, I felt like nothing was force-fed in this movie. Certainly there are things that are more blatant than others, but I mm-hmm. think there's also pieces that I'm going to need to pick up on in subsequent viewings that maybe the first time I didn't notice because there were even things where I nudged you and said, hey, Ryan, did you pick up on that? And you were kind of oblivious to it. You know? Yeah, I mean, like the same way... Um what is what's his face is in the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship, eating a carrot. Peter Jackson. Yeah, Peter Jackson's in... Dude, it's late. I can't think of freaking Lord of the Rings places. Yeah, I think he was in the fellowship. Like, was it Bree? Were they in Bree? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's when he was just chomping on a carrot, and it's like maybe the sixtieth time I saw the Fellowship of the Ring, I was like, he looks familiar. Google the director. That's him. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'm sure if we go back and rewatch it, we're gonna see a bunch of random people. Yeah. No, absolutely. Jason Statham. Yeah, I'm sure. He's probably hiding in the back. I'm sure he's a stormtrooper at some point in the movie. But yeah, overall, I felt like the first, I would say maybe hour, certainly the first 30 minutes is kind of like the top thrill dragster, which at one point in Cedar Point in Ohio was one of the fastest roller coasters ever. Mm -hmm. You know, from like in one second, you're going like 121 miles per hour. I kind of felt like that. But at the same time... Because I looked at you, look at your phone, and it was 10 mm o'clock. And the one freaking commercials beforehand, there was like a million movies. Yeah, we saw like at least 10 trailers. By the the time it started, it was 9.30, and we went to a 9 o'clock. 
And so it was literally about the first half an hour was like a movie's worth of like plots. Yeah, I was like, good lord, like I need to catch my breath. But at the same time, I didn't feel like I was I was overwhelmed, but not to the degree where I was like, this is bullshit and I'm done with this movie. I can't I can't buy into what's going on here. Yeah. It wasn't that blatant. I mean they interspersed short cuts with longer cuts. I mean the same way you emphasize longer more complex sentences with short sentences Mm -hmm. i mean it felt like that i mean you could definitely tell when things were a little too short in some of the scenes like some of the race scenes where she was like looking at an object you're like oh that scene probably could have maybe gone like a couple few like more seconds and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have felt as abrupt but i mean whatever yeah You're, you're it's the start of the movie it's instigating action and you're starting to get to the ramp up of the plot and then after that point it's fine yeah i mean if like if i look at the force awakens i feel like it's it's really well paced throughout i felt like while the rise of skywalker might have been a little bit more rushed i felt like the overarching plot was better than the than the force awakens for me personally i felt like what happened in the beginning middle and third arcs of the movie to me i think it's tough to say if it's better because we literally got out of the theater like you know 30 minutes ago um so compare it to the two other third movies in their uh trios so you have return of the jet or return of the sith what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) the third movie the one after the attack of the clones revenge of the sith revenge of the sith yeah and then return of the jedi yeah Compare the pacing of this movie to both of those. Oh, because it's, those the most of the it's like you're on fast forward. Okay. Certainly for the first, I would say, hour. But I feel like after that, I think you kind of almost get acclimated to the pace of the movie. So you kind of like are on board with this. Like, okay, I'm on this ship with you. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. Like, I'm in hyperspace kind of. But I'm okay with it. Let's, I'm on this, this journey. Like, let's go. Okay. And I kind of was just there. I was ready. I was... I was I don't know. I was on board with that. You know, I, I felt okay with it. And by the end, it's not like I was out of breath. I was just like, damn, that was good. Yeah, and it did slow down a significant amount. I mean, there was it was still a quick plot, but it, you do feel after, like, Sand Planet, mm-hmm. it slowed down significantly. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's where it's, yeah, we kind of... I don't know. The plot solidified. So before we get into any of the details of the plot and spoiler territory... That was in the the, the trailers, so... Yeah, no, I wasn't calling you out on, on okay. spoiler stuff. Ryan, you're just giving away that... I can't, I'm afraid because I'm tired. I can't form sentences that won't spoil stuff. So. Yeah, but no, I guess what would you say like the performances like, of the overall, like the movie? Like Daisy Ridley as Ray and Adam Daisy Driver. Daisy is always beautiful and she cries and she's just... She's happy and she's just the greatest wow i couldn't articulate that better myself ryan yeah did i just she cries and i love it no just she's good i mean i she always seems very genuine with her smiles and like her happiness and her joy (laughs) and like she should marry me but like besides that yeah i mean i think she did a good job finn uh, he he seems like he played the character slightly different than The Force Awakens. It's still, I felt like trying to get back to that, I don't know, not the rambunctious, but the, not as, I don't want to say forced, because he still did a very good job. 
No, but like the I, rawness I, of the like first few scenes with him and Ray on that planet, where like you get his like. Yeah, I'm the I'm the uh, resistance. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. Kind of like those kind of lines felt a lot less forced. Yeah, but it's it, that's not to ding his performance. He did a good job. Him crying, hot. Yeah, like, he's I, got hair now. Yeah, it's awesome. No, I, I think Finn did did pretty well. Uh, John Boyega. I think he just kind of like screamed a lot. Yeah, but like he, he's, I mean, he's the gunner kind of role. So like. When he's in the Millennium Falcon shooting stuff, that's a callback to the original three movies. Is mm-hmm. the person they shoot something down, they just start screaming. Yeah, and I refuse to scream into this mic again because I got so much crap from you and Lauren. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I he does scream. He talks normal, like inside voice sometimes when he's inside. <laughs> he's not inside a lot. Like yeah, it's a lot of outside stuff. Um, so he he can yell. Yeah, no, I think he did a a pretty decent. He did job. yell a lot, actually. Thinking back at it, yeah, he was just screaming like Ray and Poe a lot when when <laughs> yeah, things were going just, south. Yeah, it's true. Things went south a lot. I, I, one of my favorite performances of the movie, um, Daisy Ridley specifically, because I would say in in Force Awakens I liked her, but I think like most people, you were wondering, like you kind of had a bad taste in your mouth because you're just like how is this person that powerful yeah. Luke Skywalker himself when he first picked up his father's lightsaber was never this powerful it took him a year on Dagobah training with 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 Yoda and then training with Ben Kenobi and after he became a master and Return of the Jedi like he never was that powerful with the force you kind of were just like I don't I don't know how I feel about this person but I felt like in this movie specifically from the very beginning to the very end like I just had such a greater attachment to Ray because of Daisy Ridley's performance. I felt like she she really sold the part. She was just completely emotionally invested in the character herself. Mm-hmm. That like I wasn't really seeing like Daisy Ridley this you know maybe w- one note actor. I I really saw like a Luke Skywalker like character that she really embodied that Jedi like character. Yeah, they didn't. The problem with the first two movies was she was overpowered for no reason. Like. In any RPG, you grind on some pigs, and then you grind on some harder monsters, you get a cool weapon, and then you can be overpowered in the end game. Mm-hmm. She started with, like, dragon armor and a lightsaber. You're like, what the hell happened? Like, you gotta work your way from the bottom, and then you get here. Yeah, right? just like Drake said. <laughs> yeah, as the wise wizard Drake. Yeah. Yeah, but, like... This movie grounds her and at least gives her some training. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy. That's all I wanted for the last two movies is, like, make her work. Work, yeah. work, work, work. All right. We're going to, like, move on because Ryan's <laughs> very so tired, tired. And No, like, i just referencing random songs. No, I th- you do, I think, I don't want to, we can do that in the spoiler section. But, yeah, like, the last... having her go through some sort of training makes me happy like you have to earn it and that's i think it was like mary sue is like you're instantly like overpowered it's it's not the exact terminology or like definition but like she is more grounded in this one and that's what i wanted yeah for a main lead character no i feel the same way and the last performance that i want to talk about before we kind of give her final thoughts on the movie a score and then we get into spoilers uh, was adam driver i mean i've been very vocal on the podcast about how much i love not only him as an actor, but just Kylo Ren's character. Yeah. 
from The Force Awakens, I just had a great appreciation for um, not only just his role, but just his well, obviously his lightsaber, his his helmet, just everything about him was awesome. And it was kind of like this next evolution of a Vader-like character that I was just so intrigued about. And I felt like Adam Driver... I don't want to say like he stole this movie for me, but like, man, I coming away from it like Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver were just phenomenal in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I did not like Adam Driver in the last two movies. Like, he's such a little bitch when it comes. Like, he seems like a whiny kid, and I get it. He was a Skywalker, one of the in group, and then he didn't like his parents, and he went through some hard times joined the dark side and went kind of emo. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it came off to me. But, like, I started to like the character towards the beginning, and then, like, I liked him by the end. Yeah. And it was, like, yeah, by the end of the movie, I gave a shit about this character. Well, I think we gave a shit about all of them. Like, Yeah, like, we didn't in the last... Except for Rose Tika. It's Tico. Tico. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... They sidelined her so hard, and I'm so happy. Like, that's all. Besides killing her off, we got the second best thing that Disney would allow with this character. I'm happy. Like, they didn't make it like, love is the binding metachlorian factor in the life we call the Force. It's like, no, Rose. Chill out. <laughs> like, Go work on the computer. Yeah. Don't get up. Go use your baton and stun people who are trying to save the world. So, like, Ryan, speaking of sidelining people, I think yes. um, JJ did an outstanding job sidelining uh, Ryan Johnson for life. Oh, God, it was so great. And this movie. So before we get into this... Like, wait, 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 wait. We had Leia, who died in real life and did a great job. Thank you for... Yes. And they pasted her in very well. Yeah, so feel forced. for those that don't know, they actually use unused footage from both the fourth, the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi um, for this movie. So they film scenes with uh, with Carrie Fisher delivering these lines, and they worked the script around that, and they worked the the sets around her body wherever they filmed that original footage. And I thought, yes, you can tell, mm-hmm. but it's not so distracting that you can't buy into it. And I thought. As I think we talked about the one of the film's editors in the last episode, it, it's really brilliantly done. Yeah, I mean, I could, I don't. It it was really hard to tell that. I mean, if I didn't know she died in real life, like I don't know if I could have picked it out. Yeah, you can definitely. If, if she didn't die in real life, you probably probably would have wondered why she didn't have, like she wasn't front and center more. But I felt like the the scenes she was front and center for were so purposeful, and certainly as the movie progressed, it just got more meaningful. And I, I loved it. Yeah. Her character arc was very good. Yeah, very satisfying. She did what she had to do, and it wasn't... We can save stuff for the spoilers. Yeah, but no, like I she, thought it was perfect. She, she wasn't just a tool like she was in The Last Jedi. She actually had a plot, or like, one, she didn't Superman her way through the plot line. No, she did not. And like... She, I mean, that's the first time we saw Leia have the Force in The Last Jedi. was mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, well, no shit. She's a Skywalker. She, you'd think she'd have the Force, but we have her doing some weird stuff and, like, being emotionless. It's weird that the character, like, her being dead had more, like, 
emotion than her alive performance. Yeah. Granted, they're all the same alive performance. But, like, she did a good job. I liked what they did with her, and it was respectful. Actually, one of my coworkers gave me an article that I have to read about, like, her daughter going through, like, how they did all of that. And, mm, like, Billy Lord? Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, I, I, I think that's the perfect use or perfect word to describe how they used that footage. It's just they respected Carrie Fisher, and they honored Leia. Yeah. And I thought it was beautiful. And then we get some honorable mentions. We have, um, what's his face, Lando. Who's oh, man. Yeah, I thought... So watching a lot of interviews with Billy D. Williams, I was, you know, we were talking about this in the drive home. He, I mean, he's in his 80s, so like he, it was tough for him to articulate these interviews. He's just, Lando, what do you mean? I've always been Lando. I've been Lando for the past 42 years. He hasn't left me. And I was just like, how is this man going to deliver lines? Because this is just not working for me. And I thought he was just sly as hell, just as the Lando we, had, we knew back in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I thought he delivered his line so well. Just as sly as in Han Solo, the movie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I, I just thought he delivered the line so well. The scenes he was in, he stole. It was just really well done. Yeah, I think so too. I'm trying to think if we're missing anything. I like, I mean, I like the ending. Um, I mean, you get your big battle, which you expect from every Star Wars movie. Yeah. It didn't seem too cheesy. I think they wrapped it up in a cohesive kind of manner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some spoily, spoilery stuff, so stay away from the internet or any pictures or any thumbnails on YouTube or Reddit as a whole. Yeah, I really just would implore people that, like, I know there's so much hate surrounding this trilogy and, you know, specifically The Last Jedi and, and now this movie because it's sitting at, like, a worse Rotten Tomato score than the Attack of the Clones. It's sitting about the same it's review score Phantom of Menace. The Phantom Menace. And I just don't want there to be so much hate surrounding a franchise that's so beloved. Yeah. I, I think that this movie hopefully will inspire hope for the future of Star Wars. And if any way, if, if anything... Um, reunite fans that fell in love with what George started in 1977. Yeah, but we have to get Kathleen Kennedy off the front runner. She needs to be off the team making decisions. Yes, yeah, she, she cannot be the president. reasonable president would say, hey, or anyone who's worked with film or worked with freaking books in I general. I think um, anyone with brain cells is what we're going for here, Ryan. Yeah, okay. I was, I was tiptoeing around it because I'm trying to be nice, but you're singular IPA or whatever you're drinking. First of all, it's called a PBR, also known as a dad beer. Yeah, whatever. And I don't know. You need a cohesive plot. So like just the, way, the same way that every good franchise is written by the same person so the plot makes sense, the next series needs to be written that we way. We need a singular creative vision. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we kind of were talking about. So... Yeah, do we want to get into spoilers? Let's do that in a second, Ryan. So we've seen this movie. We've compared a little bit to The Last oh, yeah. Jedi, Force Awakens. What, what's your stamp of approval from a score here? What would you give this movie? <clears throat> and we won't get into where it fits in your, your favorites, you know, the, the entire list. We're not going to go into I that. I kind of have a range because I have to think about it a little bit more. That's fair. Anywhere from like a 7.5 to an 8.5. I'd say mine's about an 8.5 now. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm bringing it at. I, I'm... Don't know how weighted the kind of beginning plot being quick is. Mm-hmm. Like in a normal movie, that would be like, okay, it's 7 5 because you sped it up. But for retconning the entire Last Jedi or making up for an entire lost 
two to three hours worth of plot. Mm-hmm. I guess it pushes up to an eight five. There's some cheesiness some places. It's not as like meta and as like let's juxtapose crappy humor with like serious dialogues like Hux and what's it Kylo's or uh, Pose. In the beginning of last year, that yeah, was just like laughably bad. There's none of that to that extreme. I don't even think there's any that abrupt. No, I feel like the humor in this movie was very much like Marvel, where it just it was seamless, it yeah. was effortless, it just seemed so natural to the script. It wasn't just like, oh gosh, really? Yeah. Like, come on. Like chuck a lightsaber over your shoulder. Oh, we'll get into that, Ryan. Yeah. So yeah, I'm about an 8.5 as well. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward to subsequent viewings. We should mention that Lauren was supposed to go with us tonight, yeah. but unfortunately she got viral bronchitis, so she's still recovering from that. That's transitioning to more of a head cold, but we thought it made the most sense for her not to go to the theater and cause like an eruption of fans throwing popcorn at her and potentially like, <laughs> you will die. <laughs> like, Lauren? Yeah, whatever you Why do you said. sound like Palpatine? <laughs> <laughs> I've got bronchitis. <laughs> he did kind of sound like that. Tylenol team. <laughs> Something like that. Or give me steroids. Ryan, why don't we get into spoiler territory? Yeah, sure. All right. So- yeah, but instead of Lauren, we brought my co-worker's boyfriend, Aiden, the Sekiro god. <laughs> yes, he has beaten Sekiro. <laughs> so. Well, if you have not, uh, or if you don't want to hear spoilers, again, I implore you to see this movie before you get into this back half of the show. But Ryan and I are forever warning you right now If you do not want to hear spoilers, please pause this episode and come back after you have seen this movie. Ryan, we're going to do a quick countdown of five, four, three, two, one. We're in spoiler territory. (laughs) Freedom. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ryan, let's not break this down, you know, every five minutes, but just some of the high-level moments that are the most memorable. Obviously, the parts that were semi-retconned by J.J. Abrams. Yeah, uh, so the lights speeding into ships, they're like, why don't we just call a, whatever. Why don't we just pull a Vice Admiral Holdo? Yeah, and they're like, that's one in a million. Yeah, we can't do that. And they're like, ah, cool, that makes sense. Let's do something else. And I was like, yes, God, just shit on her more, or shit on Ryan more. Yeah. I love it. What else did they do? So one of the, I don't want to like jump all over the place here, but at one point in the movie, um, we'll get to this lightsaber scene specifically, but after it happened, Ray took Kylo's um, tie silencer to Octu, where of course she trained with the Hermit Luke in the Last Jedi. Yeah. And so when she's there, she's really frustrated with everything that happened and that occurred. She, of course, ignites his his tie silencer and is really frustrated with everything. She's just going to go into the Hermit status that Luke did after the events of. Um, Kylo burning down Luke's temple and everything like that. And just as she um, pulls off Luke's lightsaber off of her hilt, she chucks it. And then you That's s- a fiery TIE fighter. And you see Luke's force ghost hand grab it and he says, That's no way to that's no way to treat a Jedi weapon. And I'm just like, Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Because Luke himself threw the the lightsaber, so it was literally like him taking a hot, steamy crap on Ryan Johnson's face. And I just Loved it. Yeah. And I've Googled that before. <laughs> so, you know. No, it, it was... It was just those moments that there was just so much fan outcry that I felt... 
he tried to steer the ship back in the right direction. He might not have gotten fully to the exact direction we wanted, like due north. But man, did but he, he got a, a few degrees. Did he off. do a hell of a job? I thought JJ was given such a battered and beat up baton to finish this trilogy, and I thought the I thought the man did the best damn job he could have possibly done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough task, and I don't think the 53 that it got is what it deserves. Um, I mean, I I don't want to go back and read all these people shitting on this movie. I will probably see it again and solidify my take, Mm -hmm. because this is the first time I'm seeing it. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. There, uh, there's a lot of fetch questy stuff. I mean, they go to a few planets to get a dagger, a Sith holocron towards the beginning, and really these wayfinder devices. Yeah, so it's basically a way, Sith wayfinder, and it's to find that hidden Sith planet. And you have to go through like nebulas and some bad space stuff to get to the outer region or unknown region mm-hmm. to find the Sith planet, which. That's okay. Like, everything has some sort of fetch quest. And there's not as many MacGuffins as I would have assumed. Um, there's a few. And we we should also say, we probably should have said this in the, fr- the front half of the show, is that in the very beginning text scroll, they literally say that a voice has been heard in the far regions of the galaxy and Emperor Palpatine is back. So it's not like this giant surprise that like, oh my gosh, there's this... And that's probably why they teased it at Star Wars Celebration back in May. That like, hey, Palpatine's back. Because if you were reading the text scroll, had no knowledge of him being back in the movie. And we're just like, like literally the first sentence is like, he's back. Like it's almost like a Dumbledore moment. Like, oh my gosh, you know, he's he's here. Like what's going on? So I'm glad they kind of made that like really clear in the beginning. Because otherwise we would have just been like, um, wait a second, what? And then we would have been introduced to this like, crazy roller coaster of a ride for the first 30 minutes and then it would have just been a disaster of a movie because we would have still been trying to figure out wait i'm still trying to understand how palpatine's back yeah and i will say that they never really again this is my first viewing of the movie so i can't really pinpoint a specific moment where they explain how he's actually back how he survived the fall the explosion of the death star yeah and then transported his way to exegol whether it's his spirit, his dying body, but based on later the movie when he sucks the life right out of Rey and Kylo, I'm led to believe that he's pretty damn alive. Yeah, he seemed pretty alive at the end. Until he wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, kind of our plot predictions for the beginning of the movie was it opens with Kylo. Ripping killing people. some shit, and then he goes and meets Sidious. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And then... We do get a lot of fights between Rey and Kylo. And one of the things that they build upon from The Last Jedi, potentially the only thing, is the connection that those two have. And I felt like that's probably the biggest thing I can applaud Ryan Johnson for establishing in the Star Wars universe is this like force connection. And I'm sure it's probably in Legends because the term that was eventually used in the movie is that they are a a dyad in the force. Diode. Diode? I I think it's a dyad. Dyad. I'm thinking laser diodes from like a computer. Yeah, so they're a, a diet in the force. That's like this unique force connection that hasn't happened for like generations. Yeah. So like, yeah. And they so take two halves of one. Yeah, and so that's why they can have these these conversations, seeing one another, but not being in the same room. 
Yeah, just picture essentially like fraternal twins who aren't related, but like have this connection that they can see each other occasionally. Yeah, so they play Shirtless. on that a lot of different times in the movie where they're literally fighting one another or having these intense conversations with one another. Which I thought it was kind of interesting. Like, I like Jumper, the movie where the people are jumping around fighting each other. And that's kind of what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Not to that extreme and less buses. But, like, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciated that too. Um, because it wouldn't have made sense if they didn't build further on that they had to explain it some way i mean you can't explain out that when the entire last jedi talked about that Mm -hmm. like for most they're like there's rain that came through our connection or like our call on verizon like how is this raining over here like why am i wet yeah it's because i'm looking at ray (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah it did a good job and then we got to the death star to see that, which is cool. It was really neat. And so that's when Ray kind of finds this this Wayfinder device. And that's also where she looks into the mirror, similar to what she, all, not all too dissimilar that she saw in The Last Jedi. And that's when she turns around and sees this almost vision of herself. And that's where the dual blade lightsaber comes in. Yeah, which was done way better than The Last Jedi. Like, it still, rem- like, it makes me wonder... I think what he tried to do to recover that force vision and have like a thousand rays from mm-hmm. the last Jedi was like all the Jedi are within me. Like we're all connected. Yeah. I think that's how they tried to do that. But like having cool evil Ray attack Ray the same way Darth Vader attacked Luke and have it be Luke's head and Darth Vader's mask. Yeah. It was very like I don't know, parallels. Yeah. No, I liked it. So in this next scene, then, Kylo's there. He crushes the Wayfinder and says, if you want to get to um, Palpatine on Exegol, you're going to have to go with me. Mm-hmm. Because um, what what Ben is, or Kylo's been trying to do this whole movie, and even, quote-unquote, in The Last Jedi, is get Rey to join him to kind of rule the galaxy, if you will. And Kylo's main goal is, like, listen, I'm not trying to for us to join Palpatine. I, like, literally want to destroy him, and I want you to help me. Yeah. So what did you think of that fight that took place just after like he destroyed that Wayfinder then? It was good. Uh, it's no Mustafar. Like, no lightsaber fight will ever beat the third episode. Lightsaber fight between Anakin and Luke. Or, and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. I agree. I felt like probably my biggest gripe about this movie, and really I guess just this new trilogy, just because I feel like each trilogy had its own spin on the use of lightsabers. Mm -hmm. And I think this one had a farther, a much farther emphasis on the weight of the actual blade. Yeah. And so when they're using it, you can tell it's almost like they're swinging a 10 pound dumbbell. Which is how the original three were. Yeah. They were meant to feel heavy. I mean, granted the actors were like, one was in plate armor for Darth Vader and one was like 90 or a hundred years old. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have the biggest range of motion. Yeah. But they're also told to be like, pretend this is a heavy weapon. So I, th- so that's I guess if you take it from that stance, I thought this struck a great balance between the heaviness of the weapon, but also the use of the force. And they were kind of jumping around and flipping around on the Star Destroyer, both Kylo and Rey. I did like the force jumps and things. I really appreciated that because I was like, okay, because when you see the trailer, there's water everywhere on this planet and they're kind of just striking the blades at one another 
but there wasn't like any movement. And I'm just like, are we literally just going to stay within like five feet of one another and we're not going to move around? Yeah. And I mean, like when she was climbing through the ship, it gave me a lot of callbacks to one playing that Star Wars game that we just played on PS4. Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. And then also her climbing through the Star Destroyer from the first Force Awakens. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got a lot of those vibes. Um, yeah. I mean, it. Ray has this new ability where she heals people. She's Katara. Basically. Fr- from The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. So what happens in this scene is this is kind of like Leia's send-off. Because at this point, she knows that in order to save her son, she kind of has to give herself to the Force mm-hmm. in order to bring him back. And so in the heat of this this battle between Ray and, and Kylo, I thought it was really beautiful that he heard his, his mom's voice say, Ben. And he stopped and he looked back. And that's when he dropped his, his Kylo Ren lightsaber. And I felt like that was kind of signifying him like dropping the, the, the name of Kylo Ren and becoming Ben Solo again. Yeah, being redeemed. And then Rey, who Kylo had previously told her she's a Palpatine, grabs his lightsaber and ignites it through his chest. And then he like falls to the ground like, oh, hey, I just got a lightsaber through my chest. Mm-hmm. And then she being the good person she is. And she had previously used this technique. So it's not like, where the hell did this come from? Like yeah. we had seen it. He did. JJ did a good job. Not just throwing new abilities at us. Like force Superman. He showed us it in a very little like a really practical limited. way earlier in the movie so that when it happened early, like later on in the film that was really a pivotal moment in the plot it was like okay we established this early on it makes sense i'm yeah. good with this and it also yeah so it was like a miniature kind of test and then something bigger and like the same way like he was dying and she kind of brought him back mm-hmm. and he kind of like it's a pretty powerful move and like it's something Jedi have or can do if they're very powerful. So you're like, okay, that's more believable that way and that's how a good writer does stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like yeah, and like it's interesting a little bit pre not to do the entire plot. She Ray uses lightning. And mm-hmm. you're like, Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean it's just I wish Ray uses lightning all the time. There's good. I think there's one guy in. It's probably Legends now that used lightning and he was on the good side. Yeah. Maybe not that Ray's ever going to come back. She can use lightning in the future. But yeah, no, I, I think what I love about Ray so much, and and I think it's it's seen across all three movies, both Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and now Rise of Skywalker, is that she isn't this perfect all being Jedi like. Luke Skywalker, where he just so elegantly swings his lightsaber and never shows any frustration or anger, where Rey is, like, screaming every time she's swinging her lightsaber or using the Force, and I freaking love it. I just think it's so awesome that she's raw with her emotions, and it comes across not only, like, in her expressiveness of her emotions, but in combat. Like, it's coming out as she's fighting these different people. Like, I'm frustrated with you, Ben. Like, what are you doing? Why are you fighting for the First Order? Like, come back. And, and that's what she says to Ben, which I thought was such a cool line. And so 
it just brought everything full circle because for so multiple times now, he's put out his hand and says, fight with me or come alongside me, rule the galaxy with me. And finally, she re- she bends down with him and says, I wanted to grab Ben's hand. I did not want to grab Kylo's hand. Yeah, and she like jumps off. And like once they have that moment of like, hey, bro, we can fight together only if you're on the good side. And yeah. then she like takes his ship and heads off. Yeah, and that's when she goes to Octo. Yeah, Octo. and like throws it at Luke. Mm-hmm. And then I really like this scene was when, excuse me, now when Ben, because he's back, he turns, he like he hears a voice. I think he said, hey, Ben. Or hey, kid. Like, yeah, hey, kid. It was kid. a perfect Han Solo line. Yeah, and you're like, who is this? Like, is it Luke? Because Luke just shat on him. Like was a cocky douchebag to him in the previous movie, and he turns around and it's Han Solo, and I was like, "Oh, awesome!" I'm like, he he doesn't have the force, so like, how are they gonna do this without making it sound cheesy? And he's like, basically, like, how are you here? And he's like, I'm just a memory kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he like it goes through the exact same scene that JJ had done in The Force Awakens, where like. I mean, I'm sure if you line it up, it's very it was similar. B like, for B, B because for B. he says, like, I don't know if I can, um, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I can do it. Something along those lines. Yeah, like, you're, I, you're strong enough, and you see the, like, turning of the lightsaber, which is the same, like, way that he turned it before he ignited it. And I was like, don't ignite it again. Just, you got this. And then he turns, and he throws that uh, red lightsaber mm-hmm. into the ocean. And yeah. I was like, yes, man. And he turns around, and Han Solo's gone. And I'm like... He's back. Okay. Like, character arc is done or progressed. Cool. That's literally, like, the one thing I wanted from this movie because I felt like the writing was always on the wall with this. I felt like Kylo, excuse me, was always going to be redeemed. But I also wanted it to be done very meaningfully, very memorably. And I also didn't want it to just be, like, shoehorned in. Like, Vader's redemption was so perfect because... It was over the course of six movies that he was turned and was redeemed, but someone had to help pull him back. And it was not only just like Luke pulling Vader back, it was the culmination of Rey over three movies, Han Solo coming back and talking to him, and his own mom speaking to him and saying, Ben, giving herself to the Force because Maz Kanata even said, like, Leia needs all of herself to do what she needs to do, yeah. which was bring her son back. Which I thought was just, ah, it was so perfect. Yeah, I'm glad that she died doing that to bring her son back. Mm -hmm. And, like, it gives meaning to the character that she would sacrifice herself. Had such a satisfying arc to to Princess Leia. I thought it was just so fitting. Yeah. And then, so, I guess after that, they go to Seagal, and we have... What is this, a Steven Seagal movie? You mean (laughs) Exegol? I said Seagal. It's getting late, Ryan. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um... Exegol. And, like, we don't need to talk about all the spacey stuff and, like, space horses and shit. Like, because that's not the stuff that really matters. Mm -hmm. It's basically they go into this tomb that we saw in the last trailer or talked about last week. Mm -hmm. And it has those same statues and Rey's finally here. And she gets to this throne and she's looking at it. And, like, previously she talked about, like, I had a force vision to like Finn and I was on this throne, the Sith throne. And we're like, okay, that's probably not a good sign. Maybe you should stay away from the throne. But 
she sees this throne and then she turns around and you like she looks around and then you see this entire like not arena but like stands of people just chanting yeah and it's like holy shit all right i guess we're doing this yeah like and uh it was like this coliseum attending what was we presumed to be like ray inheriting the throne because she's palpatine's granddaughter we didn't really know yeah but just the events that unfolded i'll let you you continue there yeah so like you get all these chanting and then you hear hear palpatine and you're like okay like we didn't see him in the throne because it was empty and it's like he he's basically saying like yeah, I wasn't trying to kill you. I wanted to bring you here to give you the throne. Empress Palpatine. Yeah, because you're my granddaughter, as Kylo spoiled earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, basically, yo, all the Sith are on me. If you strike me down, I'll be inside of you, which is a little incesty. Whatever. Like, my Force Spirit will be in you, and we can rule the galaxy. Yeah. As, and you'll be Empress. I'm like, that's kind of cool. I like the dual red lightsaber. I could get down with that if that's how we want to end this movie. Enter my man, Ben Solo. He lands on the planet and is like running like Force Gump never ran to, <laughs> to get to Rey. And just as he's about to get to the throne, the Knights of Ren show up. He's without a lightsaber because he got rid of his. One of the plot points we completely didn't talk about was when Rey was on Octu getting ready to surrender all the ways of the Jedi and just become a hermit for life. And Luke Skywalker's Force Ghost showed up. He said, I need to give you something that Le- Leia would have wanted me to give you. Mm-hmm. And it plays out this scene where they go to his little hut and he op- he takes away this brick. He unravels Leia's lightsaber. He gives it to Rey. And it plays out this scene where they were training back in the day. And it's this beautifully shot scene because they're, they're, they're kind of um, sparring one another, if you will, in the Jedi way with lightsabers. But they're both wearing helmets. And so I was like, okay, it, it makes sense that they wouldn't show their faces because this is probably 40 years ago or 30 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever the timeline is. Mm-hmm. But then she kicks Luke. Luke falls to the ground and his mask goes up and you see a young Mark Hamill. Yeah. And similarly, Leia undoes her mask and you see a young Carrie Fisher. Very similar to Rogue One in the same like facial structure. Exactly. But it wasn't like overly CGI'd. I thought it was done pretty well. And that's when Luke, he's kind of narrating the scene play out. She had also had a vision that her son would eventually turn to the dark side. So that's why she said, no, I need to put down this lightsaber someday another will pick it up mm-hmm. and that's when ray does this yeah so she's in the throne room now as kylo is just outside of the throne room a similar type of thing he starts kind of force pushing these guys but they just start beating the holy hell out of him and she like looks around and the space battle's going on and he's like your only family is going to die unless you strike me down and gain the power of the throne to stop everything mm-hmm and he, she's like, oh, okay. Like, she's getting baited into killing him. And he's sitting there in his, like, neck perch kind of thing. And he's like, all right, assume this, kill me. And she, like, takes out his light, her lightsaber. Like, oh, okay. Like, I'm, I could get down for this. And then and you're, like, kind of remembering that they have this telepathic diode or... Dyad. Dyad. 
I'm gonna forever say diode. As you're gonna say Tika, it's fine. Yeah, you know what? You gotta you lose some battles. She just deserved to have her name pronounced right. Yeah. No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and um so yeah, they have that connection, you're like, Oh, okay, maybe she can help her out. And she like brings the lightsaber behind her to strike down Palpatine and then brings her hand back and Palpatine's like, What the fuck? Yeah. Like, and she's like, It's gone. And then you see it cuts to uh, Kylo. Kylo. Ben. And he, or yeah, Ben. And he pulls the lightsaber out. And the like, the Knights of Ren are just like looking around and he's kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. this is here. But it was as if, he was as if he was like Link pulling out his master yeah. sword out of his back or backpack, if you will. And then just sort of lighting these guys up. I just thought it was such a brilliant scene. Yeah, he just unsheathed his lightsaber. And then he just kills everyone. And you're like, cool. And then he runs in, and then it's these two, which were the two leaked photos, or one of the leaked photos that we that saw. That we did end up seeing, yeah. And then, um, yeah, you're like, okay, like, two become one. Palpatine kind of addresses this, like, two spirits. And he's like, all right, you guys have a lot of energy, and he just sucks the energy out of them. Mm-hmm. And he becomes younger, because at this, like, he has glossed over eyes, kind of like he has cataracts and like he's seen some shit and like his fingers are broken and like half gone and then like he's pulling this force out of them and he heals and it goes back to him when like when he's wearing his sith robes kind of on the senate floor after he says like the jedi rebelled and they attacked me kind Mm -hmm. of like that except the color scheme is flipped instead of the red sith robes he's wearing black sith robes yeah and he's got like a cool power belt. And so he's like, okay, yeah, I guess, yeah, you tried to rebel, but I took your spirit. And then those and two then are he, laying on the he, ground. And then he picks up Kylo, because Kylo starts kind of like getting back up. Ray's unconscious, and he he says, just as I fell, the last Skywalker will fall. And he just like shoves Kylo down, which was also something that we kind of saw that leaked, that Kylo was just going to be thrown down a never-ending pit. And yeah, I was yeah. I'm like, okay, that's. I mean, it wasn't laughable, like the leak said. It wasn't like I felt like okay, I'm I'm still I'm still invested. I'm still in this battle here. Yeah, if he's forever dead, would have hated the movie. Yeah, and then Ray rolls over and well, she kind of like looks into the sky and just sees stars, and that's where she because in the beginning of the movie she was meditating and she says something to the tune of um, "Be with me, mm-hmm. be with me." And she couldn't connect when she was meditating um, in the beginning of the movie. But at this point, you hear the voice, the voices of, I assume to be 20 plus different Jedi, Qui-Gon Jinn, Yoda, Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Rayla Sakura, Ahsoka Tano. For all we know, Mace Windu, I definitely definitively heard him too. Yeah. Pretty much every Jedi that we've known to this point said- The librarian from the Jedi Council. <laughs> she was there. Uh, Baby Yoda even made an appearance. But, you know, you hear uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, Ray. Firebender Ozai. (laughs) (laughs) You hear Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, like, Ray, stand up. These will be your final steps type of thing. And she ends up standing up because at this point, the Emperor is just, like, shooting lightning up in the sky. Like, and everyone's ships stalled. And, like, she accesses the Avatar state. And she's like, yo, I'm still here. And then he redirects his lightning and then everyone ships they're like oh cool we got our power back and she brings up her lightsaber and then she's kind of like 
standing there taking it inching her way towards her even more or inching her way towards him even more yeah and then she brings a second lightsaber and she's got the well because the flying axe because he says i have all the power of the sith in me and then she says and i have the jedi and she force pulls uh leia's lightsaber and does like a cross blade of the lightning shoots it back at him and he just like basically evaporates yeah the same way that like he didn't evaporate when Mace Windu tried to do the exact same thing to him. Mm-hmm. It was like the what Mace Windu would have done if Anakin would have been there. And at this point, you're like, oh, cool! Like we got a Ark of the Covenant melting scene. Palpatine's very dead. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty dead at that point. And Ray is very battered and broken, and she just kind of collapses. And it's at this point you see Ben's hand hit this rock and he he kind of made his way he climbed his way back up he's clearly on death's doorstep but he still inches his way back to ray is kind of holding her body and he kind of almost has this epiphany that like ray healed me earlier help let me tap into this this power as a jedi and so he puts his hand on her her stomach kind of brings her back to the health they have this moment that i thought was again just beautifully shot beautifully acted they're clearly in love. They have been, I think, for a long time at this point. They embrace, they kiss, and then Kylo, They he smiles, which I thought was amazing. To this point, I don't think we've ever seen Kylo or Ben solo yeah. smile. He smiles. They kind of have this like... I guess I didn't even notice that. They have this slight chuckle, and then he falls and disappears just as Ben Kenobi did in A New Hope. Yeah. And and also in that same scene, they cut it. Maz Kanata is standing over Leia's body, and she too... I guess dissipates into the force. And I'm glad. I mean, like, Raylo is a thing that I didn't want to happen, but I'm glad it didn't overstay its welcome. Like, let's get a full makeout scene and roll around in the dead ashes of Palpatine. And Ray, why don't you slice off my arm? Let's go to Naboo and let's get married. Like, it wasn't you know like super in your face about yeah, it. It was let's just roll around in sand. Yeah, I thought it was the just most to say, screw you to Grandpa romantic non-sexual scene in star wars and i thought it was just again so well done yeah and then i'm glad it was cut and we didn't have to see them run off into the sun i'm just that's what i'm happy about and it was a really i like the scene and i'm fine with kylo dying i am too like i was again as much as his redemption the writing was on the wall i also knew that he was going to be redeemed very much like vader he was going to die but I thought the way he died was, again, sacrificing himself to save another character. And I, I could not have imagined a better character arc for him. Is it too much of an arc to the original? Like, does the Force the Force Awakens is basically New Hope. And the arc of Ben is very similar to the arc of Darth Vader. Is it too similar, the three arcs besides the Black Sheep middle movie, mm-hmm. not being to the quality of Empire Strikes Back, that the arc ends in a, or is a very similar arc? I think so. I mean, certainly there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, that it plays out very similarly. But at the same time, it's Star Wars. The good guys are going to win. So either Kylo's just going to die and Rey's going to kill him, as, as Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. which I would have been very frustrated about, or... He is redeemed. He becomes Ben Solo. They kiss. They go and get married. They have a bunch of little kids. And then they go off into the sunset. So it's like you kind of have to pick your poison there. And I felt like they had the perfect balance with him being redeemed, 
them having that kiss, that slight sliver of hope that they would have had a long life together. But again, he dissipates in the force with with his with his mom. Uh-huh. I felt like again, it, it was the most fitting arc that I could have thought of. But again, I'm not in the writer's chair. Yeah. But as we said in the beginning of this episode, what JJ was given with Last Jedi, and I think the creative vision he probably had in mind, having written The Force Awakens and having a general idea of what he wanted over the course of the three movies, or at least the characters themselves, I think that was the character story that he always wanted to tell for Kylo. Yeah. I'd personally, if I had the writer's chair, and this would have never flown under Kathleen Kennedy, but I would have loved to have Ray be the one who turned to the dark side. Because we've had two or three dudes who are evil at this point. I would have loved a redemption arc for Ray. Yeah. Like, had her been the evil one. Because if you look at the trailers of Knights of the Old Republic, the new one, where it has the Eternal Emperor in it there's the two twin sons and then there's the daughter and she is very sithy because the dad's a sith and she does like the dark side really well and to bring her back would be awesome mm-hmm. plus ray like the fan art or pinteresty dark ray those pictures all look awesome i, agree I would have you. loved her arc as evil and ben brings her back i agree with you entirely but i think Adam Driver has such a menacing look to him with his long locks black and hair. black hair that's just greasy black, mm-hmm. like jet black. It wouldn't have made sense for him to be wielding a blue lightsaber for the entirety of these three movies and bring her back. I do love that idea, though, and I think it, we need like a female protagonist to be in that dark role and have a redemption arc. And it would have yeah, been- like Hermione. She was evil as hell. <laughs> yeah. She was Voldemort's daughter. Thank God for Crookshanks, because if it wasn't for him, Hermione never would have come back. Yeah, exactly. That and the Dobby Force. Exactly. Um, so, anyway. Um, yeah, I, I it finally solidified me liking or hating less Ben or Kylo. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to kind of the start of the entire Star Wars thing is you see the twin sons. Mm-hmm. And it's Ray walking towards the original hut um, that Luke was in <coughs> with his aunt and uncle. And she slides down the sand because it's kind of been overrun. No one's there to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Slides down the little mountain like she did in the beginning of Force Awakens mm-hmm. after she plundered the de- or destroyer. And she kind of buries her lightsabers. Or the lightsabers of... Luke and Leia mm-hmm. in that place. And at this point, she's already created her own lightsaber. Yeah. Which, again, there's so many things in here that, like, you can pick apart and be like, oh, no, that doesn't make sense. How does that happen? What planet did she go to where she got a crystal that wasn't destroyed when the Emperor Palpatine... It's like, I don't give a I'm shit. I'm suspending my, like, all of that. I don't care. They travel in light speed. There's freaking Wookiees. There's Porgs. There's, like... I don't know. You have to like, suspend reality when you're going to these movies just sci-fi. as much as you do with the Marvel movies or any superhero stuff. I think Lord of the Rings, there are Belrogs we just haven't mined deep enough. Right? I believe you. Maybe they're three or four miles because I think we got capped out at like two mile digs. The last time I checked, that was the count. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks, Russia. You didn't dig deep enough to find Belrogs. 
dig deeper, you Russian demons of the ancient world, bastards. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then she like ignites her lightsaber, and it's yellow, which is basically a Jedi who doesn't like fully believe the Sith are dead, and like hunts out the Sith, which is cool because being a former Palpatine. She knows what the Sith are like. Mm-hmm. Hunting out the Sith, it's a it's a fitting color for her. Yeah, like a protector, Sith hunter, and then someone like this old hag with a horse, like strolls up and is like, "Hey, what's up?" Haven't seen anyone around these parts in yeah, a long time. It's been a while. Like this has been deserted since people fried some old people, and they're like, "Who are you?" And she's like, "Ray," and then she like looks over and she sees the force ghosts of both luke and leia yeah and you're like cool and she's like they're like ray who or she's like ray who and she's like ray skywalker and then it's her with bb8 looking at the twin sons which i'm totally okay with i'm completely cool with when that. i saw the leaks for this movie and that that was going to be the final scene i'm like that's complete and utter bullshit but we needed this movie, the growth of Wraith from beginning to end of this film and the arc that we had previously in The Force Awakens to, to come to that satisfying conclusion. And for me, I was like, yes, I'm okay if she adopts the Skywalker name. Luke and Leia clearly gave her blessing right there, and I thought it was just beautiful. Yeah, it just makes you wonder how much better the entire trilogy would have been if The Last Jedi was improved. Yeah. Like, it would have been so much better. And, like, we would have gotten more trio and, like, camaraderie and stuff. And, like, we didn't get a ton of camaraderie between Obi-Wan and Anakin. But the Clone Wars TV show and the Clone Wars... Established that for us. Yeah. A lot more. And they tried shortly in the third one. But, like, yeah, I, I would have loved to have the original kind of trio feel through the second movie. Like, Empire or whatever The Last Jedi would have been. Mm-hmm. And then solidify that friendship. Between however. Finn, Poe, and Ray. Yeah. Because I, I felt like it was a lot more believable at the end of this movie. But it was kind of in your face. Like, hey, these guys are friends and they have been for a long time. You guys okay with that? Cool. We're going to keep moving. Yeah. There was some animosity between the group. And you're like, okay, maybe it's because Ray's secretly evil. And, like, Poe kind of went back to being, like, he thinks he's a hot shit. But, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, they they got over it and they became bros. And he's like, "Sub general, sub general." All right, so I got this thing. Like, yeah, no, I I I loved their relationship. Um, Finn and Poe, mm-hmm. awesome, really good stuff. So, so Ryan's still sitting about an eight eight five for this. Yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll see where it falls, second viewing or third viewing. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, I think it'll sit around the eight range. I think like six to eight months from now, it'd be be good to revisit like our thoughts about Star Wars as a whole. Certainly this nine movie saga and yeah. And like where this movie will fit in the grander scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point I'm going to take a break from Star Wars. Absolutely. Because we've overdosed on Star Wars. And I think it would be good for the franchise if they didn't try to pound us, except pounding us with baby Yoda would be good. Absolutely. Like the more, just bring on the Yoda, like baby Yoda. But, like, besides that, I think taking a break mm-hmm. and not trying to rush out a movie by 2020, I think, is... Or 2022. Well, that's the current plan, but I think we should take, like, three Push to four back. years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, granted, you bought the IP for $4 billion, but you've made 
crap ton more. Well, we already have the Mandalorian and the Obi-Wan TV series, you know, in the next, whatever it is, year or two. I don't really need movies on top of that right now. Like, I'm okay with these short snippets of Star Wars that I can digest week to week. Yeah. I don't... The spectacle of these waits of for two to three year movies, it's just like... It, I, I'm, it's growing tiresome. And it's, I, it's I would prefer... It's not Marvel. Yeah, it's not. Like it can't... It's, Marvel has so much to draw from when it comes to specific comic books and, like, all these characters, and it's a more lighthearted feel than, like, an evil overarching emperor i mean granted thanos killed off half of everyone in existence but like i don't know it's it's not the same universe and it can't be treated the same way so hopefully they respect that fire kathleen kennedy and give us some time i would have loved if the game of throne writers would have done their trilogy yeah because they they Besides rushing the final season, did a good job. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's an apt comparison to compare this to the final season of Game of Thrones. I don't think so at all, because it was far more satisfying. Yeah. And it's not like the first seven seasons were shitty Game of Thrones-like seasons mm-hmm. that they had to make up in the final season and rush through. It's... I don't know. I think J.J did a good job for what he had to work with coming off the lackluster previous movie. And that's... I take any gripes I have with a grain of salt and give some more leeway to this movie based off of that fact. I agree 110%. I hope everyone enjoyed this review for Rise of Skywalker. I hope, again, you're not listening to this unless you've already seen the movie Except you, Travis. I know you're still here, bud. <laughs> Anyways, we want to thank everyone for, for, for listening to this episode specifically. Again, go and watch Rise of Skywalker. I know Ryan and I still need to see it a couple more times before we really can solidify our opinions, but I feel pretty strongly about that 8-5 right now. Yeah. It's a really, really good movie. So, Anyways, next week, Ryan and I will be back to record our top 10 games of 2019. So feel free to write in on the Discord or even the Gmail, otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com with some of your favorite games of the year. You don't need to send in a list of five or even 10 games, um, but maybe just a couple that you enjoyed this year. Maybe some, some sleeper hits that Ryan and I didn't play that you think we should be checking out. And again, there's no restrictions. If there's a game that you played this year that came out six or seven years ago, by all means, throw it in your list. We'd love to hear from you. We love new suggestions. But um, look forward to that. And then after that, we'll be ringing in the new year of the Otaka Brothers podcast in 2020. I'm guessing, depending on the number of people who saw it opening night or whenever, not a lot of people just heard that because they probably skipped the spoiler section. So we should probably ask them to give us lists somewhere else in this. The power of the internet. I'll just throw it on the Discord. Little announcement. That works. There it is. Cool. Thank you so much for listening. Ryan, any parting words for the listeners? Yeah, go watch this movie and uh, let us know how you like it and see if it lines up with kind of what we said. And uh, please give a shout out in Discord if you hate Rose Tika and you're <laughs> glad she was sidelined. So. Definitely, I'd love for some healthy debate and discussion in the Discord. Like, whether you love Last Jedi, whether you hate this movie, whether you loved all three of the sequel movies, again, healthy debate and discussion in the Discord. We'd love to see it. Yeah. All right. So we'll see you there. We will see you next episode for our top 10 games of the year. See ya. See ya.